Hello and welcome to That Park Life Podcast. I, of course, am Greg, joined as always... By Beth, and I'm coming at you straight from my pollen-induced cabin fever coma. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, it's getting warmer here, but then don't worry because it's going to get cooler next week, which all of these things make everybody sick. So everyone's like, are you sick or are you corona sick? What kind of sick are you? Everyone's sneezing and coughing and, you know, it's like, don't look at me. (laughs) <laughs> really, I'm saying that to my neighbors and my dogs because that's all I'm seeing right now. Don't make direct eye contact with me, please. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I'm starting to get the cabin fever of like, I, I'm, I need to get out of this house. But then it's like you walk outside and you're basically covered in pollen. Also, the dogs are basically magnets to me. So everywhere oh I gosh. go and sit, I have two dogs attached to me. Oh, so. no. I mean, there's some unconditional love for you. I know. It's true. It's true. I'm like, ugh. like I was just sitting on the couch with my computer trying to do something and of course here comes tango and she has to sit like on top of me and i'm like well i'm gonna have to get up and move here in a second and then she looks at you like really i uh i'm on day right now as we record this it's day 14 of being out of work yeah. and it as you know like, day, like 55 i mean i just oh gosh and and like knowing that pretty much all of april is going to be like this mm-hmm. like let's be real it's going to be like our numbers are still growing Right. So every state's still growing in cases. So that means we haven't hit the top of our curve yet. And it's like, and, you know, my job's a little public because I sometimes find out about my job on news sites before I find (laughs) out internally because everything goes out at the same time. So, like, I'll get an email at the same time. Like, I'll get an email as a DVC guest or like, you know, we get like a whatever. And then I'll get one as an as a cast member. And then I also will see people's story posts on Instagram. And that's yeah. how I found out about the next closure about how I'm still out of work was someone's Instagram story yesterday. I saw it there first before my own email. Yeah. It's like people are still opening their Disney app and those yes. are the things that first pop up. And so they're like, oh, here we and go. They take a screenshot and then they post it. It's like news from Disney because that's how we're getting our Disney news because they ain't putting out really any news right now. No, they're, um, they're keeping it close to the chest. But I feel like I've yeah. been doing some things to pass the time other than house boring stuff like mowing the yard and mowing the lard that was lawn and yard together you need to mow that lard yo i washed my car for the first time like you know in my own driveway recently yeah i need to rinse mine off that's great but y'all have pollen really bad down there or no it's like it's not visible but i am sneezing a lot yes yeah no it's really bad here um it's but then it's like you washed your car and two hours later it looks exactly the same so Well, that's the frustrating part. They're doing construction next door. So I washed Nicole's oh, car yeah. and then by the next morning it had like a cement dusting on it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what a waste. What a waste. So yeah. I've been passing some time doing some more fun stuff. We checked out some things on Disney Plus. Uh, did, you, mm-hmm. did you watch Stargirl by chance? Okay, no, I saw the preview for it. and I was like, I wonder if that's good or not. So that's what, what I thought when I saw the trailer. And that's how I still feel about the movie after having seen it. But I would recommend it. It's it's definitely like a quirkier independent yeah. style meaning like it's not a high budget film like it's not gonna blow your socks off but like it was yeah. cute like we nicole and i both walked away liking it good? it's a feel, feel good, good yeah okay. um we also yeah. went back and watched the pilot episodes of ducktales and the gummy bears show which are if you if you I, weird well i think maybe we've idealized our mm. past cartoon shows because yeah. the first episode nicole liked it i thought it was weird and okay the first ducktales but like i mean this was 1987 or something when the first ducktales like it's old you're like i guess few year old me thought this was cool because again i was like two or three yes (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah some of that stuff we've gone back and it's like oh yeah i can't wait to watch them and then i'm like like, no no i'm just gonna go back to the office or new girl (laughs) it's why it's why i have not started watching boy meets world because i just want to remember liking it i don't want it to be ruined I don't know if you're on the train, but I'm sure once people listen to this, I feel like Greg and I were talking about like how many people are actually listening to podcasts now? Because I feel the, you know, many people like myself, we listen to podcasts when we're on our way to and from work. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this recently um, or if it's like weeks later and you're back to work from the coronavirus, let's talk about Tiger King because (laughs) um, it is all over the Internet. I feel like, Greg, you're just going to have to jump on board and. (sighs) It's one of those, like, you just can't believe it's real. Like, I, if you watch it, you're like, did SNL or did Chris Lilly, like, make this movie? <laughs> and you're like, it's not a movie. It's not scripted. This is real life. These people really exist. 
um i don't know it's just such a crap shoot that you're like i don't know don't worry netflix is already talking about season two for those of you out there who are wondering okay have you heard anything about it like do you know what it's no about? and and i kind of want to keep it that way because you know that i'm a i am more than neurotic when it comes to spoilers but yeah. i really have no idea what it's like i've just seen the photo of the guy yeah i'll just tell you i won't t- like tell you details but okay. it's just basically about a lot of the big cat like zoos around the country and okay. it's kind of based it kind of hones in on a few of them that are like more pertinent to the actual story okay so there is like a true crime element to it oh um, okay it, but it's just you just can't believe these people are real yeah i will it. uh i will start if, it like once you start you'll be like i just can't not see this through at this point because you like you don't even care what happens You're you just, just like, have I, to see yeah okay. you just can't not look away like watching a car accident i yeah. um I'm excited about our big topic today because we're going to go, yeah. we're going to finish out our classic style dark rides with some attractions over in Epcot. Um, before we get started, I was, of course, following, or I just happened to see Jen Drennan's story. We- <laughs> weekly shout out to Jen Drennan. We, did, we should probably have a jingle for the weekly shout out. I know. Maybe we'll make one of those. And I have asked if they want to for her boys to be the official joke suppliers of that park life podcast because on her story this week or right now today as we're recording this um the older drennan boy gave us a little gem of a joke and i would like to share it and of course it's a disney joke that's why we're talking about it so um this is a little bit of setup from jen and then you'll hear the joke go ahead what is obi-wan's favorite dessert i don't know what's obi-wan's favorite dessert obi-wan cannolis Obi-Wan cannoli. <laughs> so there you go. Your, your official joke of the they week. They only get better as these kids get older. So yes. Absolutely love it. Um, let's talk about what was in your box because Excuse if me now? there ever was oh. a, if there ever was a clothing item that represented the uh, Disney in the nineties, I'd say late eighties, early nineties. It's those hats. That you oh have. yeah. So I guess a little bit of background. I was yeah, I was going through some stuff. If you were following along on Instagram, you saw, and I found this box that just housed all of this old Disney stuff. And uh, I was going through it on our Instagram story. If you missed it, um, or if you don't follow us, you can head over to at that park live podcast. I kept it in the story highlight, so you'll see it says Greg's box yeah. right there. All six days of it are there. And uh, the last one was some hats that I found that were signed by a bunch of characters, and they're. 90s colored and shaped for yes. sure it looks like a fresh prince of bel-air hat. like it's just straight up like, i i so remember good. wearing those i mean like you know it's one thing to have it but like i remember being obsessed with wearing those hats that's and what made me laugh so much is picturing you in the parks wearing these hats and then like starstruckingly asking characters to sign it for you and i was probably nervous because I'm, I'm yeah i'm although maybe I'm, I'm, i feel like i might be more socially awkward now than i was then um, I think I have a picture of me wearing one of those hats as a kid. I got I got to find it, one of the originals. Use that scanning app that I just did. yes. Um, but if you missed it, I mean, there I t- honestly I found some cool stuff, including a back scratcher, in back the, scratcher <laughs> in the box. So uh, and just a bunch a bunch of other things that I from like nineties and early two thousands and whatnot. Did you leave the back scratcher out? Because I was like, oh, yeah, it's out it's out here one. on my Chef Mickey chair. Okay, cool. uh, I will miss seeing you like. Pull it out, you know, like you the extendo version, the metal yes. one. But um, it's okay. This one's still cool too. And it's, you were like, it's really good material. <laughs> it's like sturdy <laughs> like, plastic. It's not gonna break. It's not like the ones you get um in your drink at the uh, Polynesian. Yes, <laughs> it seems to be pretty legit. So uh, let's talk about some classic style dark rides. Uh, we have four left, uh, all in Epcot. We have Frozen Ever After, the um Nemo and Friends ride, Figment Journey into Your Imagination with yes. Figment. And the Grand Fiesta Tour. Yes. I'll tell you something, and maybe we'll start with this, because I knew nothing about the Grand Fiesta Tour, and it yeah, turns out either. there's, like, stuff. Oh, there's, there's a like lot of stuff? There's, interesting stuff. Well, I didn't know. That. I guess I, if I had thought about this, I probably would have figured it out. But both of my attractions that I'm talking about today aren't uh, original, original space attractions. Yeah. yeah, they took over the, the space of Which something else. And neither you, are ours. Yes. Neither are mine. So uh, I guess everything we're talking about today came from something else. So if you want, if, since I'm talking about it, if we can start over in Mexico, because I, I have done the Grand Fiesta tour quite a few times yeah. over in uh, in the Mexico Pavilion, obviously. Was it something completely different? Was it something completely different, or was it always that? It's just changed over time. 
Let me tell you about it. So I let's let's start about let's start with what it is now. Uh, most of okay. what I got, the information I got, is from a series of uh, a collection of places. Um, Mickey Wiki, new favorite website. Ooh. I was watching some old YouTube videos of the previous attraction, and Mouse Plans was another website, and of course the Disney website, as I'm going to mention as we go here. But the is, wait, hold on, Mickey Wiki. What is it, Mickey? It, I think it's like MickeyWiki.com. Oh my gosh, I'm looking it up now. Sorry. <laughs> How do you spell wiki? <laughs> uh, W-I-K-I? There might be okay. more to the address, but I just... Got you. Okay. I spelled it like Mickey. Like oh, Mickey, gotcha. Mickey, Mickey. So, Which, that's not a website, so maybe we could get that. <laughs> yes, we'll buy the rights right now. The yeah. uh, The official Disney tag for the Grand Fiesta Tour is taking the sights of Mexico and the antics of three feathered amigos on this gentle boat ride through the Mexico Pavilion. So, officially, in this attraction, you're cruising down the Rio Grande okay. during the ride. Um, it's inspired, of course, by the movie the, the Three Caballeros from 1944. Times were a little different back then for some of these characters. We'll talk about that That's in a, a minute. Um, and, of course, the ride has an official storyline. It's the Three Amigos are playing a concert tonight. And um, if you missed that, that is conveyed by posters throughout the queue that say performing tonight, Three, right. three Caballeros. Um, but the storyline is that on the way, Donald, quote, disappeared south of the border. And it's up Whoa. to his two friends, Panchito and Jose, uh, like to find him. south of the border as in the place where you see all the billboards for when you're driving to Florida? Something, yes. Or he's just getting some tacos at, like, the, at the yeah. quick service place. So uh, that's the origin story. That's the official storyline of the attraction. Uh, let's talk about some of the construction information. And um, as I mentioned, this was not always the Grand Fiesta Tour. But this version of the ride that we're used to opened up in 2007. So it's been opened wow. about 13 years, give or take. Um, it replaced the El Rio del Tiempo, which I believe is the river of time, right? Tiempo was time. Okay, yeah. Um, this was the original and only other attraction in this space. So it's the okay. El Rio del Tiempo or the Gran Fiesta Tour. Um, there were a couple of Imagineers that are going to come up here and talking about this. The main one here. Imagineer George Scribner, who's done a lot of stuff for Disney. He directed this particular attraction, but he also did Mickey's Philharmonic. Magic. He directed the feature film Oliver and Company and some oh. other things. So he's he's had his hand in a lot of animation for um, either movies or attractions and overall like storyboarding, let's say, for some attractions in the parks. It was George's idea to set the premise of the ride as a concert. And when he got his okay for that, he and, and the, or probably more the production team went out and got all this footage from Mexico, and they combined it with the animation from a lead animator, uh, Eric Goldberg, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I won't talk about him now. He was quoted as saying, drawing these characters is a joy. They've got the best animated design I've ever worked on. So this guy was proud of his work, of his animation. And then again, this was 2007, so obviously right. animation has progressed a little bit since then. So if you're on the attraction... And you're looking at the animation screens and you're like, this was the best. Well, at the time, yeah. he's he's saying that this was the best he's ever done uh, well, for animation. Well, and then you just copy it twice and then add yes. it. So. <laughs> well, he, he mentioned some specific scenes that he's particularly proud of. So when you're going on this attraction, keep an eye out for this. Um, though there's one point where Donald is climbing the Mayan Pyramid, but the steps turn into an escalator. He like yeah, that, he, he personally animated that as oh. opposed to just overseeing some of it. Like that was right. his work. And there's also one scene that he's proud of where Donald is diving off the cliff in Acapulco and bounces around like a pinball. Those are his personal animations in this attraction. Could you imagine? Look, I, I know that Imagineers probably deal with this kind of stuff all the time where they see their work in real life. But mm -hmm. like if you hand drew or whatever the process is by your own hand, like contributed something to a ride right. and you're going around like, I drew that. I did that. That's like that's to me, that's work. so crazy. And now people are like, um, I mean, it's not like it's like a Transformers movie or anything. Yes. <laughs> Where's but Michael time, Bay? Yeah. Time. It was really cool. It was really cool. Um, the production team spent six weeks in Mexico getting footage for this particular version. I feel like half of that footage could have just been done like on the beach. Uh, yeah. The beach. <laughs> well, the, here's so here's some, some some things to talk about. They did cast some locals for some smaller roles. Like you'll see. There's um, a bunch of scenes where they're, they're, quote, interacting with Donald. We know Donald is animated in this and they're alive. Yeah. But you can always tell that it wasn't done like it is now in the movies because the actors are never, like, meeting the eye level or eye line yeah. of Donald or any of the characters. Right. 
And I, that's it's basically like the first version of when you go to take a, a Disney photo and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, everyone do this. Everyone look here in this person's hand. Yes. <laughs> that's like how it was for them when they're filming. And that's what I see. And I, I, uh, I'm sorry if I'm ruining this part of the attraction for you, but that's all I see is when I'm watching the live action, the, I'm trying to like follow and I get bothered by it. And I don't know why, who, like who cares, right? <laughs> who actually cares? Meet his eyes. Yes. <laughs> this doesn't look real. It doesn't look real. Um, the main architecture of the ride stayed the same from its previous version. Really, the only big difference was the finale. It is that's where the concerts played. Before that, it was like a carousel kind of thing of moving people. The fiber optic fireworks were originally there too. So they basically just kept the structure of the ride and changed the storyline. If you okay. ever go back on YouTube and look at the uh, a video of this previous attraction, the uh, it's so it's like eerily similar. Because, like, the screens are in the same spot. The structures are the same. Like, everything is so close to how it is now. You're like, oh. Yeah. It's bizarre. The finale scene that I was just talking about has changed. In 2015, they upgraded it. It used to, this is the concert, like, the the finale of this attraction. The whole point of this is that, you know, you're going to a concert with these three characters. It used to just be animated. So they eventually tossed in animatronics of the three characters. And just as Disney does with a lot of stuff, they're recycled animatronics. These actually came from an attraction that hasn't been around since 1980 called Mickey Mouse Review. And oh. if you see it, you can tell it's old. I mean, I went and watched a YouTube video of this. Um, if you need something new to creep you out, go on YouTube, type in Mickey Mouse Review 1980 or something, and just watch this. And you'll see a ton of animatronics. It's actually kind of cool because, you know, this was like... 30 something years yeah. ago, but almost 40 years ago. For yeah, is about it, 40 like, years ago. Creepier than Chuck E. Cheese animatronics? It is, yes. I guess because okay. you know <laughs> it these is, yes. <laughs> you know these characters so well that you kind of expect them to look a certain way. So when they don't, yeah. you're like, oh, it's like seeing the Times Square version of Mickey and Minnie trying to take pictures yeah. of kids, right? Yeah. Times Square Olaf, you know, who looks like he's melting in yeah. the sun. So um that's out there on YouTube if you want to check it out. And sure enough, if you see the video, those they look very similar to the animatronics that they have in this current version of the ride. Um, so that's really that's the the only real change of the of the Grand Fiesta Tour attraction. Um, here are some cool facts with a Z about the previous ride and then this thing too. Here's something that I didn't know about the Mexico Pavilion. They say that it is twilight there the entire time. Because okay, twilight is a very common time for friends and family to gather in Mexican yeah. culture. So they would come out to the plaza to get together and hang out and chat. At twilight. At twilight. We should all adopt that. Yeah. In our country. Because that would, that would be fun. We Here, I mean. Take a siesta and then yes. just, everyone goes out of twilight. Just six feet apart. Um, turns out <laughs> only one of the three amigos is actually Mexican. Is it Donald? Oh. Is it the other ones? It's not Donald. Donald is not Donald. No, I mean, although, you know, Donald. But how do you pick? How are you supposed to know that? I guess it's more of like a trivia thing. So um, Donald is technically from the U.S. Jose is Brazilian. And Panchito is a true Mexican character. Panchito. Panchito. I just want to say. There were some slight changes made to the characters from their original characters in the film because they have to fit into the culture of Walt Disney World. So unlike in the movie, Jose is not smoking his big cigar in this attraction. I do that that anymore. And Panchito is not twirling around his pistols and firing them off during the attraction because generally speaking, no real gunfire Mm. in this attraction. There is a Donald Duck pinata that Mm. you can see uh, a couple of kids swinging their sticks at in a scene in the attraction. So keep your eyes peeled for a Donald Duck pinata. A Donald Duck pinata. Donald Duck pinata. So, is that all you got for it? Yeah. I mean, there is not exactly like a lot going on with this ride. It's yeah. just I didn't realize that they would put that much time into getting the footage. I don't know. For some reason, the idea that it took six weeks to get the footage for this attraction makes it sound like they just wanted a free vacation to Mexico. <laughs> and they were using yeah. this as that. Yeah. Well, and all right, and so this is a it's a boat ride, correct? So the ride style is boat. Yep, it's a boat style ride going down the officially you're going down the Rio Grande in Mexico. And I don't think there's no like there's no dips or anything, right? Nope, it's totally any- flat. There's no thrill oh. ride. There's no height requirement uh, or anything like that. It's a zero thrill ride. There's not even sudden loud sounds or flashes really. 
yeah. it's uh it's it's a pretty steady ride pretty safe family friendly ride all right well i'm gonna start with the seas with nemo and friends oh. so uh first we're gonna start with what disney says about it it says go under the sea without getting wet on this gentle ride based on disney and pixar's finding nemo which finds nemo lost again board a clam mobile and descend slowly below the waves where nemo's friends it says flit through brightly colored coral reefs and gently swaying anemones Oop, i said that right the first time dodge stinging jellyfish underwater mines a toothy anglerfish and an even toothier bruce the shark mm. catch a ride on the righteous east australian current <laughs> with crush the sea turtle and his little dude squirt but where's nemo just keep swimming till you find him <laughs> 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 all right so that's what the web that's what you know disney is like telling you the ride is about um yeah. This obviously was originally not Finding Nemo. It used to be, it was originally The Living Seas, and that opened on January 15th of 1986. And it originally, it housed the largest saltwater tank in the world at its completion during the time. Um, it holds 5.7 million gallons of water. Hmm. And um, it was surpassed in 2005 with the opening of the Georgia Aquarium. So Georgia, I don't know if Georgia still holds. I think Georgia actually is maybe still the largest aquarium. Um, but before that, it was at Disney. So the concept of the building was to take visitors under the ocean to like sea base alpha guests viewed uh, a short movie about the formation of the oceans entitled the sea, which was then followed by an elevator ride to the ocean floor aboard what they called a hydrolator. In reality, guests basically rode, it was like a two story hydraulic elevator to the first floor while like walls and sound effects and stuff. Moved. Probably bubbles. Yeah, um, and then there was like a vibrating floor to it. It gave the effect that you're traveling a long distance downward. After that portion of it, then they boarded a sea cab on the Caribbean Coral Reef ride. It rode through the middle of the tank. Um, they then disembarked into the main exit area where they could interact with various multimedia displays. So once finished with that, the guests leaving the pavilion would then board another hydrolator to the surface, which is basically similar to the first set. Like it just simulated an upward motion versus a downward. This is sounding um, vaguely familiar as you're describing yeah, it. Yeah. The Living Seas was sponsored by United Technologies from its opening up until 98. And then it closed um, the sea cabs, they said, closed down in 2001. So I don't just the sea cabs I, alone, I think, closed at that point. Um, I think there were other things that were kind of open at the same time. I don't remember anything about the Living Seas. Do you? I, you know what, as I was joking earlier about Boy Meets World, I remember they did an episode where they were in the Living Seas, but... I, I do. I remember going in an elevator kind of thing yeah. where you could see through it. I remember there being bubbles. It was the same type of bubbles okay. I'm sure they did at 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea where it made you feel yeah. like you were diving uh, down. But no, like the ins and outs of the old attraction, no. Yeah, it was kind of like reading all this and I'm like, none of this is like ringing a bell in my memory. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if I ever did it or if I just did it like maybe the first time I went and I don't remember it. Um. But anyways, so then December of 2003, Disney began to retheme the Living Seas into a new pavilion, which was, of course, based on what was then the recently released um, Finding Nemo. I'm going to kind of go through like some construction info and some changes because they're kind of all in the same. Like they're not really separate. Yeah, it's just okay. like here's some stats for you. So the majority of the transformation began with exterior elements. Uh, but in January of 2004, the interior began to change as well. So on November 16th, 04, Turtle Talk with Crush actually opened first in what was once what they called module 1c or it was like the earth systems exhibit the show was really successful they like weren't expecting that and it ended up being really successful so that basically caused the development to change because they wanted to move turtle talk with crush to a larger area in the, mm. in the pavilion so where it is now was not the original place um on august 21st of 2005 the living seas finally closed for its transformation into the seas with nemo and friends so obviously was open like the living seas was still open even after the clam whatever shells whatever it was <laughs> closed down and then it just says parts of the pavilion reopened late november of 2005 so they basically like still had turtle talk with crush going then the living seas closed but then other parts reopened in november 2005 are you following me this yes. is a lot of dates it's a lot of dates um yeah outside the pavilion the facade and mural were changed into depictions of sea life which were seen in the movie so finding nemo the exhibit hydrolators had been removed and they were replaced with glass doors that served as an exit and temporary entrance. Sea Base Alpha had been rethemed to Finding Nemo, obviously, and then the entire original pre-show area was in the process of being rebuilt. Pretty much everything was replaced by Finding Nemo themed <laughs> things. So anything that was like kind of there before it was like, we got to make it Finding Nemo themed. This ride obviously is another Omnimover ride system on the floor. 
So we've seen some of these before, but the difference in these is that the cars are side by side. So you load into the front. So the like part of the shell kind of opens up in the front, you load in and there's no like lap bar or anything. So, and so, and they don't turn. So the cars don't turn. You're basically the same, like you're in the same thing the whole time. Like you have people beside you, but you're not turning. So you don't ever see like the back of under the vehicle. Car. Yeah. Yeah. Like in front of you. So that's kind of another difference that they have. The former C cabs ride was lengthened. So once they reopened, they lengthened this by 280 feet through hmm. the space formerly used by the pre-show theater. So they changed that to add it as, as part of the ride. Um, uh, but the final scene still takes place inside the tank, which is how it was originally in the living seas. I think it's they, cool. That final yeah. scene. Yeah. I literally am still like, I don't understand how this works. I need someone to explain it to me because when you go like on the other side of that, you can't see anything. So the projection thing is just boggles my mind. It's awesome. Yeah. So they use obviously a new projection technology was added um, at the end where they sing Blig, Blig, Big Blue World. Um, and then the existing sea cabs were given a clamshell shape and re renamed them clam mobiles. So they went from sea cabs to clam mobiles. <laughs> and this ride also uses animation and puppetry. Basically, you're going through and there are some parts that are animated, but there are some parts that are just puppets, like animatronics. There are three audio animatronic seagulls that were added to the entrance outside. So, you know, there's like the water kind of splashes around. We talked about this not that long ago, yeah. but um, the water kind of splashes around. They periodically will flap their wings and say, mine, mine, mine. Um, just like the seagulls do in Finding Nemo. Oh, you mean this? Uh, <laughs> the sheer joy on your face is upsetting to me. It's troubling. I just love it. Just love it. Um, on October 10th, 2006, the construction walls in front of the entrance to the Living Seas, now the Seas with Nemo and Friends, were removed. Um, and the Seas with Nemo and Friends was rededicated on January 27th, 2007. So it went through like quite a transformation. It was like little by little, they changed things. Um, the ride itself, since it, it has opened, hasn't changed much kind of just like been what it's been since it's been open you ready for some other cool facts yeah it was the first epcot pavilion to be based on a disney animated movie property and it was only the second to be based on a movie property attraction to do so the wow. lion king uh circle of life and environmental fable at the land pavilion was the first <laughs> so that was it was kind of like one of it, the first of its kind the aquarium features over 200 species of sea life, including dolphins, sharks, sea turtles, gliding rays, and a 500-pound grouper, if it's still there, um, as well as a rainbow of multicolored tropical fish. The tank is 200 feet in diameter. It's tw 27 feet deep, and the glass is 8 inches thick. Wow. Yeah, it's a big tank. When you enter the building, so the new queue for the ride, when you enter the building, the queue begins with a seashore setting that transitions you to an underwater theme. So with the use of special lighting and stuff like that, it appears that you're under the water. So and one of the deep I'm convinced it's colder in there. Yeah. Oh, I definitely think so too. But I feel like every time we've done it, we've either fast passed it or there's been like no lines. So you're so you're breezing walking, through it. Yeah. You're walking through it so quickly. But um, so that's why they have kind of that part where there's the overhead boat, like where you're seeing the boat, the butt, if you will. <laughs> um, so, cause that's how they basically take you, you know, under the water. So. Yeah. The ride duration is only five minutes long. That's not a that's not too bad of a ride duration. I mean, a lot of no. the Omni Mover ones that we have talked about are shorter than that. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I, this is one of those attractions where I still think it's like new. Not. Yeah. I don't mean to say that the it the quality is still brand new. I mean like that the attraction is still like recently opened. Like it's, yeah, it hasn't and, been around for that long because I still th I just remember I don't even though I don't really remember what it was before. Like the OG version, like vision of Epcot I have in my head doesn't include it. So anything that happened after I was a kid is like new. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that I read this and I just, for some reason, I don't remember where I got it from. A lot of my stuff comes from Wikipedia. Um, I'll let you know if there's like other sites that I'm pulling this from. Uh, WDWinfo.com. There's another one that I use to get some facts off of. But I, uh, the voice of Dory is not Ellen in the no, ride. I don't think so. So that's like kind of another cool fact for you. Well, I know Ellen listens. So when you, Ellen, when you hear this, yeah, Ellen, sorry, give us a call. Feel Ellen, free to reach out. <laughs> feel free to reach out. Um, as Dory. You did say this was the first attraction to feature like a what we call now uh, intellectual property. It wasn't. It was yeah. just later that year when the Grand Fiesta tour opened because this one opened in two thousand. Yeah. 
the first part of 2007. Grand Fiesta Tour was later in the year. Right. So that, that might have been like opening the floodgates, basically. Right. Well, and it was just like this whole pavilion based on that. And I didn't get into too much of the details of like once you leave and you, you're in that area where you can go see a bunch of other things. Because I was like, we'd be here talking forever. But obviously there's things that in the exit that oh, are yeah. part of the aquarium yeah. area where you can go see the uh, manatees and um, take pictures with like certain things. Turtle talk with crushes over there now in that part. So there's lots of things to walk through and see in that area. I think that the this attraction is a great escape from the heat kind of thing. This is not going to blow your mind, right? This is not a blow your socks off kind of attraction. But for yeah. me, it's great to just go kind of hang out. It's especially great if you're here with little kids. I remember recently I was on here this ride with my nieces and like it's a fun, easy thing to do. Yeah. You just hop on and uh, and I remember having a good time. And of yeah. course, I immediately have the big blue world song stuck in my head. Oh yeah. The rest of the day. For, sometimes like, the rest of the week because I can't get it out. Yeah. In the No, don't even how dare you? How dare you do this? Uh, haven't we all suffered yeah. enough? If anything, I think the projection part in the end where it's inside of the aquarium and the with the starfish and stuff too on the aquarium wall, like that yeah. stuff's just like how I don't understand how they do this. How how but, do it work? Because I'm even know. looking, I'm like, is there's got to be like a piece of glass in there, right? But like, you can't see it from other angles. So that's why I'm like, it's just weird. How do they do this? So the last attraction I'll be talking about for our classic style dark rides is also in Epcot, Frozen Ever After. Hey, did you know that the Norway Pavilion now features Disney intellectual property in Frozen? <laughs> and it's not just the Grand Fiesta Tour and the living... I hadn't heard that yet. Oh my it. gosh, it was a big deal. We'll talk about the uh, controversy yeah. about that. But the official storyline for Frozen Ever After, according to the Disney website, is a voyage to Arendelle aboard an ancient Nordic vessel as you take a musical tour of the wintry world of Frozen. Mm. When you say it like that, it kind of sounds like it's going to be fun. Is it Frozen 1 or Frozen 2? Still Frozen 1. This is an attraction that is based off of the first Frozen animated film. Well, and and the Christmas special that they did, or like Olaf's the, adventure, and then there was yeah, whatever the first special that they did. Yes, because the Snow Babies obviously were not in the original Frozen. Correct. Oh, uh, that's that is accurate. So, um, here's the thing, right? I know I, in a previous episode I talked about how, um, I had to call. Oh no, I did like a click to chat with Disney, and they just mm-hmm. really like the representative. If it was even a real person, it might have been a bot. They just were going overboard with like Disneyfying their sentences. <laughs> yes. So now whenever I come into that or when I see those sentences again, I always like, oh, gosh, guys, yeah. please don't represent me in this way. But um, in addition to that very innocent sentence, um, here's another one in there that um, that Disney uses to describe this attraction. Soon you'll be rubbing shoulders with some boulders, a.k.a. Kristoff's family from Troll Valley before bracing for the cold. Why you got a rhyme? Rubbing shoulders <laughs> with some boulders. And they put boulders, in, qu- boulders. in quotes right. be- just in case you didn't know that they're trolls. Right. And not the best part rocks. about what you said is the way you do your shoulders when you say shoulders and boulders. You'll be rubbing <laughs> shoulders with some boulders. boulders. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's like the official description of it. The storyline of the attraction is that you've arrived just in time for the summer snow day celebration which is supposed to commemorate the day that Elsa saved Anna. There's always got to be a celebration with Frozen. Always something. We're and always waiting on something. within the queue, you can see the advertisements promoting the celebration. So if you take a look around the queue, if you're in the queue long enough, I don't know about you, but I have never actually been on the regular queue for this attraction. Me only either. FastPass. Yeah. Only but it FastPass. looks cool. Like I, Part of me has been like, I just want to take like 10 minutes in here just to yeah. look around. I don't want to wait on it. I just want to walk around. Yeah, that's true. This attraction, as it is now, opened in June of 2016. It actually opened on Nicole's birthday, which is awesome because it's one of her favorite movies. Oh. This opened after 20 months of construction. It was mm-hmm. it was under for quite a bit. We're waiting for it. Disney revealed that there were plans for this attraction before the release of the film, but the construction was accelerated after its almost immediate mm-hmm. worldwide success so if it seemed like they were doing it kind of after the fact they weren't they had they had plans for it they just were maybe like kind of waiting to see how it went kind of thing but once once it blew up they were like all right let's get this thing going we gotta get it done yeah 
The audio animatronics for this were a, a first of their kind. They were the first all-electric audio animatronics, where previous versions are some kind of combination of pneumatics and, and or hydraulics. So this was yeah. just electric. And okay. they say that this all-electric version offers more fluidity, lifelike motions. Um, there was one Imagineer who oversaw most of this ride. His name was Wyatt Winter, which is a made-up name. That's like that's a <laughs> that's first a of all Disney name. Wyatt Winter. Winter <laughs> is the guy who oversaw the Frozen attraction. Okay, guy, made-up <laughs> names. Who who are you protecting? Who what who is this no, guy's I'm real? Sure, I'm sure his name is Wyatt something else, but they're like it. everyone calls him Wyatt Winter, Wyatt so they Winter. may as well put that on there. Wyatt Winter. Um, he pointed out some specifics. He said, quote, It's the little things, like the way Elsa crosses her arms, so they are always brought together at the same place every time. Oh, interesting. This could not have been done with hydraulics. So I guess right. they're able to have the motions a little more precise. Okay. As yeah, compared to it was with hydraulics. Time the faces were not like they were like projection faces. These are projection faces. So not only are they having more lifelike audio animatronics because they're all electric electronic they're doing the face projections they don't look like they're drunk or high when they blink their eyes <laughs> they do look a little funny yes like the ariel in uh the little mermaid oh my gosh um looking rough <laughs> to remain consistent with the movie as much as possible the folks working on the attraction worked closely with the team who animated the movie which is not to say this wasn't done in the past but they tried to do this in particular because they were working with these new type of audio animatronics, they wanted to make sure that all the subtleties of mm. the characters would match up yeah. with what the animators either would have done or did do with their characters. Right. There are no new songs in the attraction. However, some of the original songs from Frozen have new lyrics that were mm. in fact written by the original writers and composers of the lyrics and songs and music of the attraction. Um, so you'll hear the same same old songs, but you'll hear the, the lyrics a little bit different. If you've been on the attraction, you've heard it before. Hey, did you know? Guys, late breaking news. There was some pushback when this ride came out or when it was announced. <laughs> um, yeah, about using Disney characters in a World Showcase pavilion. Mm, my tell us God. about that. Tell us a little about my that. My God. Well, at the time, the chief operating officer was Tom Staggs, and he had this to say, which if I were there, I would have applauded. Quote, if the goal is to give people a taste of something like the Scandinavia with the Norway Pavilion, then Frozen would only increase the extent to which people would be drawn to it. To me, it doesn't seem out of character at all. End quote. Yeah. It's like, well, whether or not you agree with the concept of Disney characters being included in the pavilion, you know that attendance is way up. Way up. Yeah. yeah. I never really went over there until Frozen, and now it's like, oh, look at all this cool stuff. We would do Maelstrom, right? That's not like it's definitely not right. something we would have avoided, but we're like walking through the gift shop. No, we were breezing out of there. Yeah. And as a kid, I don't think I understood what was happening. So yeah, I don't want to, you know, I remember how I feel about Maelstrom, and I remember it being like weird yeah and i I don't even necessarily mean in a bad way supposed to be learning from this that kind of thing but it was still (laughs) a cool attraction but if i think about what i liked about the attraction it was the the going backwards thing or because they changed this but at the time it was maelstrom there was an opening in the wall so you could see out into the park so Mm, it made it appear as if you might be going overboard which you were never even coming close to it because there wouldn't even be a potential like if the you know but from the outside of the attraction, you could see the opening and you can kind of like see what was going on. Yeah. So that part is one thing. I think I have to pick one thing I miss about the former attraction. It would be that because it's kind of cool to do an all indoor attraction, but you see a little bit of the world out there, but it really wouldn't fit into the story. So I get why they took right. it out. Well, and like it's Disney. They can do whatever they want. Like why? Why were people so butthurt over it? Like, you know, I when it's to be like whatever, but I'm like, it's Disney. Like you're going to Disney World, you know it ain't the real thing. <laughs> I you know? I know that some people have a hard time separating their past and the current and future of Disney, and I think I'm like that. I mean, if yeah. I would be heartbroken if they changed a few things that are have been around for a long, long, long time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. This one makes a lot of sense. So I try to think. I try to like step outside the situation and think. Okay, does this make sense? Like adding Ratatouille to the France Pavilion to me yeah. makes sense. Adding Mary Poppins to the UK, yeah, awesome, right? 
So I think they should continue to do things. Like if they added Coco to the Mexico Pavilion, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I've said for a while, I think they, I mean, I love the three caballeros, but I really think they need to retheme that and yeah. do something with Coco because like that's more themed after the culture than just some footage from Mexico. Right. That's what I was saying. Like, what I was the thinking is. The storyline is more, like, I learned more about Mexican culture from watching that movie yes. than, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I and I think that, you know, it's not going to be the entirety of the Mexican culture in one movie, but that's no. a little too ambitious of a thing to ask. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the fact that it's shining a light on any part of it means I think it would fit in there. So uh, I guess Greg's official stance is frozen okay at Maelstrom, (laughs) uh, over Maelstrom. But I I mean, there are some things I missed, but like overall, no. Uh, There were some quirks to the existing building during the redesign process that I thought were kind of interesting. So obviously they were reusing the old ride track and the old ride building for Frozen Ever After from Maelstrom. So their goal was to incorporate the ride track into a story that they obviously had to come up with in a way that everything kind of fit. Why would you be going backwards at a certain time? Where would you be? Why would you be turning left right. here versus right here? That kind of thing. So they had to retrofit a storyline into that. But one of the things that they found while they were doing this and, and looking at blueprints was that because the original ride was done so long ago, the blueprints they were working with weren't 100% accurate and they didn't know until they started to build or remove things. Gotcha. So it is possible that the ride that we have now wasn't the original intended version of it that they found along the way. And now I know that you're probably out there thinking, well, Disney's got a ton of money. They can just redo stuff. You know that in the real world, it's not necessarily that easy. Yeah. There are yeah. timelines. These are A lot of the times, these are contractors that are third-party well, people. And they they're gotta... still going to save money where they can save money. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So when they were trying to break down this wall and realized there was a hidden wall behind that wall, they just had to stop they're and like, be like, well... Oh, we can't break down another wall and maybe they just have to do this instead kind of thing. So like, yeah. you know how it is. It's like if you ever redo a part of your house, you're like, or if you ever watch those shows on HGTV, you blow the budget and something because something unexpected right. happened. Or it's That's like, kind of well, awesome. let's take this column out. And they're like, well, you can't take the column out because it's holding the building. It's, it's a load bearing wall. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like, that so kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, they also were, yeah, they were just finding a bunch of stuff that they were not expecting. So I, along the way, that just kind of created more challenges for the construction of the attraction yeah the ride itself has not changed so frozen ever after has not has not undergone anything obviously we know you see maelstrom the norway pavilion opened up officially in may of 1998 Mm -hmm. which is quite a while after epcot opened but anyway four days after that is when maelstrom opened up uh, but since then, after they redid it for Frozen Ever After, that's mm-hmm. really been it. I mean, they haven't really needed to because Lord help them if they have to close that thing down and change oof, it because oof, oof, oof. I don't know where those people will go. <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever be Frozen 2 themed or not. You know, like I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't think so. I mean, if you think about other movie related attractions, they haven't really like made it toward a sequel. They could throw in maybe some characters, but. Like, I don't know if don't they know. need to, yeah. It's not like you're going to take an original movie like Little Mermaid, which, no. which has had many sequels, and add things into it. You have know what I mean? Have you seen any of the sequels? I have not seen any of okay. the sequels. My brother has watched them because he has kids, and he's like, Beth. This <laughs> 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 just like, you You have no idea. I have no interest but, in it. No. Yeah. So, no. It, but it, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to add stuff to those. I would argue, though, that Frozen 2 was probably more yeah. of a real deal thing than some other sequels. Like, yeah, that's. I, I've yeah. seen Aladdin too, and I remember like liking it as a kid. But it's nothing like Toy Story two and three and right, four like and Frozen two all the and Toy Stories and adding like it's just when they did the Toy Story whatever stuff, it was at the time they could add those things, but they're not going to say, "Oh, there's another Toy Story. We got to add some yep. other." You know, it's just I get it. I get it. Here are some cool facts, cool facts. for you. The ride capacity is nine hundred riders per hour. So when we're talking about these classic style dark rides, whether it's an Omnimover or like the old style boat, which of course this is a boat attraction, um, some of them are obviously higher capacity than others. As a contrast, Haunted Mansion over in Magic Kingdom is approximately 3,000 riders per hour. So this is a low ride capacity attraction. That's why the line is always so long. Why the line is so long. And obviously there's a fast pass queue here as well. So you have that. Let's just say it's, I'm making this up, but I've heard that it's more than this, but let's just kind of lowball it. Let's say they allocate 50% of like 
the capacity for fast pass. So now you're talking only 450 riders per hour that are not right. fast pass getting on. And this right. is all approximations, but still yeah. not a lot. There are some Maelstrom Easter eggs in the Norway Pavilion as a whole, specifically on the attraction itself. The ride boats did not change. Yeah. They're yeah. the old Norway or the old they Maelstrom. They very Nordic, so why yeah. change them? Why change them? Makes sense, both from an economic standpoint and just storyline standpoint. Why change them? Right. Um, if you go over to the Anna and Elsa meet and greet, their three-headed troll from the old attraction shows up on a banner over there as well. And here's one thing that I have never seen in person again because I haven't really done the queue for this attraction, only the fast pass portion of the queue. There is a set area designed by Imagineers specifically because like sometimes it's part construction people, part... Right. This was like very Imagineer-driven area called Oaken's Tokens, where you do get an appearance from Oaken popping out or not popping out, but looking through his sauna window and having Ah. some phrases to say. And again, I've never seen this. And I think that this area isn't always open. It just depends on how busy this attraction is. is, You know, it's like an extra area of the queue where they open up. And it is uh, his only appearance, I believe, in the attraction. It's in the queue. Huh. Yep. That guy. That guy. (laughs) Is that all you got? It's all I got for the Frozen Ever After. Good stuff. All right. I feel like I learned a lot. Okay, so the last one that I'm covering is Journey into Imagination with Figment, which has been under many other names. Um, But we're going to talk about that. So Disney says, Figment, the playful dragon, is your guide on this delightful ride to the sensory labs of Imagination Institute. The Institute's Institute's (laughs) beleaguered chairman, Dr. Nigel Channing, played by Eric Idle, set out to prove how the five senses capture the imagination. But he's upstaged by the mischievous Figment. Prepare for surprises galore as you travel through a series of vivid, whimsical sensory labs. Learn about all five senses as Figment turns the lab upside down and causes quite a stink in the smell lab. Let your imagination run wild on this marvelous madcap musical adventure. Wow. Um, I just want to start out by saying I can't not see Monty Python and the Holy Grail when <laughs> I see Eric Idle. Yes. That's all I ever think when I see him. Yes. You got two coconuts and you're banging them together. <laughs> um, anyways, so the original story... Obviously, the story that we see now is the it's the third installment of basically this ride. Okay, so the ride has changed. So I'm kind of going starting there. Um, it opened in 1983. And so from 83 to 98, it was Journey into Imagination. Mm-hmm. And then from 1999 to 2001, it was Journey into Your Imagination. My Imagination. Yeah. And obviously now it's Journey into Imagination with Figment. So uh, the original attraction opened on, opened on March 5th. 1983 it was the creation of tony baxter and steve kirk um who are imagineers we've seen before talked mm-hmm. about them before you've probably seen them in documentaries before you just didn't know it it began with the omnimover vehicles floating in the clouds and seeing the silhouette of a strange blimp mixed with a vacuum cleaner and hearing the humming and singing of its pilot in the next scene the riders come right next to this vessel and the pilot an old man with a red beard dressed in a blue suit and top hat introduces himself as the Dreamfinder. Uh, who was originally voiced by Chuck McCannon and then Ron Schneider. Basically, he's saying that he uses his vehicle called the Dreammobile or Dreamcatcher by some fans to collect dreams and ideas to create all sorts of new things. As soon, he creates a figment of his imagination with two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment. And there, voila, you've got a figment. So that's like where figment came from it's this guy's like creepy brain um <laughs> both Dreamfinder and the dragon figment which is voiced by billy barty they imagine things to fill the idea bag when the idea bag is full Dreamfinder declares that the ideas need to be emptied into the dream port are you still following me this is like a really elaborate yes. thing for a ride um which as he says is never far away when you use your imagination so the Omnimovers leave the side of the Dreammobile and enter the Dreamport storage room, which includes a massive contraption for sorting ideas. Also in the room, there are numerous objects, including boxed applause, a small a plasma ball, and a birdcage of musical notes. Mm-hmm. After leaving the storage room, the ride continued through several rooms representing art, literature, the performing arts, and science. So those were kind of like the main ideas of the ride. Okay. Um, at the end, the Dreamfinder tells Figment and the audience that the imagination is the key to unlocking the hidden wonders of the world. Um, then there was like a final re- uh, final show scene. Um, the ride's pictures were taken. They saw Figment surrounded by several movie screens of him being a scientist, a mountain climber, a pirate, a superhero, a tap dancer, a ship captain, and a cowboy and an athlete. 
and the dream finder who is behind a movie camera gave the writers one last inspiring message and told them to use their newly found spark of imagination uh, to the image works or sorry, in the image works and the on ride photo was shown on a screen next to the camera. So this original ride closed on October 10th of 1998 in order to begin a major renovation of the attraction. Did you ride the original one? I did, but I really don't remember it. I was like, I cannot remember. Like we're so bad. I was like, I can't remember this at all. So info and stats on this originally it was an Omnimover, but the ride that we see now is actually called a modified Omnimover. It starts and stops to load and unload. So that's not like a typical Omnimover that we see today, but it's still the, there's seven riders. So there's three, three in the front and four in the back. The song One Little Spark has remained through each version, but also has been modified. And uh, One Little Spark was written by the Sherman Brothers. So oh. we've. Yeah, Sherman Brothers are, like, very popular in Disney stuff. We've mentioned them plenty of times. Um, but they have written songs such as The Carousel of Progress, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, and they've also written the Enchanted Tiki Rooms, Tiki 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 <laughs> Room. So they've written those two. So other ones you know by them. Um, all right, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about how it's changed. So the attraction reopened in October on October 1st of 1999 as Journey into Your Imagination. Your is all capitalized. Um, it featured an update theme based on the 3D movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which came out in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, now guests will take a tour of the Imagination Institute and be test subjects for the new invention, the Imagination Scanner. Dr. Nigel Channing, played by Eric Idle, hosted this version. So right, I'm going to kind of go through some bullet points here. The ride began with guests going through the scanner and saying that the riders have no imagination. <laughs> and Great. Then Channing, yeah. Then Channing decides to send us through the numerous labs throughout the Institute which are sound, illusion, color, gravity, and connections. Uh, the attraction opened for its third and current iteration um, on June 2nd of 2002. So basically it had changed from the Dreamfinders, th- all the things that the Dreamfinder did to like the new rooms are you get imagination through sound, illusion, color, gravity, and connections. What a bunch of mass bullying to tell a group <laughs> of people you have like... no imagination. Yeah. Um, so... They don't, they don't really say much about Figment in the second one. Um, but the third, so the current iteration of it mm-hmm. that opened in 2002, which is Journey into Imagination with Figment. So Figment returned with a larger role appearing in every show scene um, and the classic song One Little Spark also returned with new verses. But the Dreamfinder was still ab- absent. So they got rid of the Dreamfinder in the second rendering um, and Figment was not in the second rendering as far as I can tell. Basically, People, people got had mad. An- yeah, people had, an, there was an uproar when the second one um, opened. So it was not open that long, and that's why they closed it to, like, revamp. So this time, in the one that we have now, the Institute has five labs based on five senses. So sight, sound, smell, touch, and taste. Dr. Nigel Channing of the Institute, also, of course, Eric Idle, um, invites guests to the Institute's open house. Figment, voiced by Dave Goles, tags along, much to Channing's dismay, and causes mischief along the way. So I guess that's like the nod to the original one is to have Figment in this one. Um, And he's like causing a ruckus the whole time. Ruckus. So yeah, in sound, Figment interrupts the experiment, comes up with a telephone, and the train sound from previous version is now a train of thought. In sight, Figment knocks the letters of the room's eye chart and begins singing along to one little spark. The materializing butterfly from the old version was carried over from the previous version, but rather than appearing in the cage, the effect is now reversed that the butterfly is hiding. Um, in smell, Figment becomes a skunk, which blasts the riders into a foul odor, which is <laughs> uh, fun fact here. It's actually a burnt coffee smell. It's not a skunk. Um, I choose it, to believe it's skunk, that they continue to find skunk scent and they pipe I it know. into the in the room. Pretty much. I hate that you can smell it when as soon as you get in there because it's like it kind of gets rid of the element of surprise. Yes. Um, after seeing the chaos Figment has been causing, he's chanting stops the tour inside the touch and taste labs, abandoning the tour. Figment takes the riders into his own open house, which he literally turns upside down with his carefree mind. Channing soon learns from Figment that imagination should be set free. If you can beat him, join, if you can't beat him, join him. Um, and the riders go into the finale with numerous figments in various situations. Um, while Figment and Channing, uh, sing one little spark together while their riders disembark for, for the image works. So the exit area, there's image work stuff. There's like little lab, like little areas you can go in where there's like a bunch of music things. There's, it's like sight sound. It's the five senses. Yep. I couldn't even like remember all of them, <laughs> um, but it has changed because they added the meet and greet for Wreck-It Ralph and friends over there. Yes. 
So some of that area was taken out. So when you're, it's just weird because you get off the ride and you're like walking out and there's some things that are still there, but then you're like, oh, there's a meet meet and greet there. There's an internet Um, portal and out of it walk Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope. Yeah. Um, And I had never, we've never seen anybody like actually doing the photo. There's like that photo lab on the left when you're leaving where like they take your photo and they put it in all these different like movie posters type things. And um, we had never seen anybody doing it. But the last time we went over there, somebody was actually doing it. And it was pretty funny because they're like, they make you like turn your head different ways so that you fit perfectly into these photos. It, it We were laughing. It was so funny. It was like a older couple that was doing it. I still have, uh, I have never seen anyone do it. I've never seen anyone like post a photo of it or like anything like that. Yeah, me neither. I just, you walk by and there's like no one. But I was like, these people are actually doing it. <laughs> um, so, and I'm sure there's a lot of like little details that have changed. I just... Like, I don't think you can list all of them because it's, there's so much of it, but it's kind of been the same ride. It's just the second version did not do so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third version has been the third version for a while. And then now we're going to talk about some fun facts. All right. Um, I feel like I have a lot of them here. All right. So the duration is six minutes. Uh, so the, okay, this is what I thought was interesting. The original was 11 minutes long. Holy. Yeah. Then Journey into Your Imagination was five minutes long. <laughs> and the current version is six minutes long. Okay. Um, the song, let's see. This is while the song was performed by audio animatronic characters, the dream finder, um, dream finder was voiced by Chuck McCannon and Raj Schneider. I mentioned that. Um, another thing was that the dream finder was a character that walked around with figment with a figment. Huh? Um, some people don't remember that, but he was a character that actually walked around and like, there's plenty of people that have posted photos of the dream finder. That was like another thing they got rid of. Um, the 2002 revamp of the journey into imagination attraction includes several visual elements suggesting that the imagination Institute is connected to Medfield college. I did not know this, but the Medfield college, it was a setting for several live action Disney films. Oh yeah. Um, it was, it says the queue for the attraction passes the offices of professor Brainerd, um, who was in the absent minded professor Mm -hmm. in 1961 says, although the queue addressed the 1997 remake with the role was played by Robin Williams. Flubber, so, right? And then, like, Wayne Selinsky's in it mm-hmm. from, you know, Rick Moranis and The Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Dean Higgins. Um, the ride includes further references to the computer wore tennis shoes with a glass-fronted computer room, including a sign on the door indicating oh, no tennis shoes allowed. I didn't know that's what that was referring to. Yeah, and as well as a Medfield College letterman's jacket um, can also be seen inside the room. So I was like, I don't even know what Medfield College is, but I guess it was a setting for a lot of Disney movies that gotcha. we just don't remember. This all makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a homage to the initial incarnation of the attraction can be found on an office door in the initial showroom under the name Dean Finder, which is alluding to the Dream Finder. Uh. Both the 1999 and 2002 versions were created by Tom Fitzgerald. So at least it was the same guy. They didn't like fire him. They're just like, <laughs> you need to fix it. <laughs> like, back to the drawing board. Um, the Kodak Company ended its sponsorship of the pavilion on in August of 2010. So they had sponsored the ride for nearly 28 years, and they ended it in 2010. Well, how much money could they have to sponsor when no one is buying their film? No yeah. offense. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about I was like, yeah, good old Kodak film. Mm. Um, Disney Imagineers decided that the characters would come straight from Disneyland's Discovery Bay project, project that never made it to life. So um, he says, in fact, Baxter actually came up with the idea of Figment, the purple dragon, after watching Magnum P.I. Hmm. That was from under, UndercoverTourist.com. A lot of this was from, uh, again, Wikipedia and their different sources. And then I found this on Undercover Tourist. Why is Pigment purple? According to DisneyList.com, because of Kodak's original sponsorship, green was the usual color of dragons, but it was associated with Fuji film. Mm. So the purple was decided as a neutral color. So that was interesting. That's why he's not green but i'm like but if it's a figment of your imagination it wouldn't be like a normal color um and then this was i wasn't sure but they also said that there's a restroom inside the imagination pavilion that still plays the background music of the 1983 ride version journey into imagination there is have you been to the restroom in the imagination pavilion not that i can think of it's so when you're remember being like i gotta pee and i'm gonna go in there (laughs) but do you know where it is though I don't. That's it's tucked like, away. So where it is. if you're looking at the front of the building, like where the entrance to the the attraction is, yeah. if you look to the right, it looks like there's nothing back there. It's on right. the other corner of the building. So if you go back there, there's ah. there, it's a very low populated, low used restroom. Okay. So I would re- would recommend ten out of ten. And I, yeah, I'm sure they have. I'm sure that's what they're talking about. But I'm, you know, yeah. they got the music speakers going on. 
So listen to the music in there when you're uh, when you go in there and see if they're still playing it. Which the original music is very like what is happening. Yes. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. It's very. I think you have a you had a sound clip of it at one. Yeah, point. Yeah, we we played it for. I don't even know what segment it was for, yeah. but I remember when I when we were going through this, I was like, ha, huh, I wonder if I still have that, but. It's it, it was the clip I had was him the, the dream fighter describing what figment is in right. the song and where he came yeah. from and you you wound up talking about it too with that that kind of thing because it gets lost in the current attraction pretty much it doesn't sound as creepy when I say it but I don't know um, it's pretty close <laughs> yeah you know and people there's still like a lot of speculation like will this ride make it when they you know with all these new changes coming to Epcot will they keep this ride will they make a new version of it will they get rid of it altogether. Um, but as far as we know, it's here to stay. As far as we know, which is not very far. It's not very far. That's for sure. That's all I got for that one. That's all we got for our classic style dark rides at Walt Disney World. I feel accomplished. I feel like we did something. We did. We did lots today. We're going to have to come up with another deep dive series to do. So more on that later. Mm-hmm. Typically, we do our news nuggets, but I don't have anything because I don't have any all news the news nuggets. is doom and yeah. gloom. It's kind of the same as the last week. There wasn't really, I mean, they're just, I think, trying to highlight some things like, hey, remember you had mentioned that you can go do the drawing thing still? Like they're uploading that. Yep. Um, how, to, how to draw characters. So they're kind of like reminding people of that. And it's just, yeah, nothing too crazy going on. We all know what's going on outside of Disney. but Although yeah. Dis- Disney Plus did release Newsies. So not like because they did like a film version of it, but they recorded a Broadway performance of it and they just put it out on Disney Plus so that you can get a little taste of Broadway. And in the message yeah. they were saying, we know Broadway is currently closed, but if you if you want to try to fill the void as best you can, here's a a recorded yeah. production of Newsies. They want which... you to hashtag seize the day, no pun intended. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> here we go. Let's talk about, as if we didn't get enough history today through our look back at our classic style dark rides. Let's do some more history. Let's do it. I'll you take us, first? I'll go. go. Uh, I'll take okay. us back to 1998 when the Enchanted Tiki Room reopened under new management. Do you know if they changed changed a bunch of things? Well, they just had different hosts. And it is not well remembered because it was not well received. They obviously wound up changing it back. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it was this week when that uh, new version of the Tiki Room opened up. Cool, cool. All right, I have two things. One is kind of weird, but the first one that I have is uh, where I'm taking you back to 2003. So Disney's first inline marathon, a 22.6 mile event, took place at Walt Disney World. Uh, the event, which was created by Disney Sports Attractions in conjunction with International Inline Skating Association huh. and National National Skate Patrol, uh, winds through the theme parks and the resort areas. Um, how fun does that sound? That sounds much better than running the marathon. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, hop, get the rollerblades out. <laughs> that would be so much more fun to yes. me. And I'm, I'm like, do they... We would know if they still did this today, right? Like, yeah, they, they don't. don't do this they today. don't do that now. But that would be so fun. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then I came across this and was like, um, "This is like really sad." Like I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I was super shocked when I read this. Did you read my note? No. Okay. So it says in 1968, two cho- two children come across the lifeless body of a homeless man in an abandoned tenement building on East 10th Street in New York City. Because no one identifies the body. The deceased is buried in an unmarked pauper's grave on Hart Island. A fingerprint check in 1969, so a year later, will uh, will identify the corpse as Bobby Driscoll, 31 years old, the voice of Disney's Peter Pan. Oh, my God. It is also discovered that the cause of death is a heart attack. Sadly, his long history of alcohol and drug abuse was a strong contribution factor to his early death. I was like, what? I guess how? you could say he never did grow up, and I don't mean to speak no, ill of him. How but... random was that? I just was reading through and was like, "This is too random to not talk about." That is, I how I I guess that's not yeah. really a story they highlight, you know, very no, often. But but I was just I was just like I don't know I was shocked by it and was like, My okay, gosh. very very interesting that it was. I mean, I was like, I never, I never, I will never watch Peter Pan the same again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Super sad. Anyways. Wow. That's to, all I got. Way to be a downer on the last I little know, thing right. we have going Sorry, on here. Sorry to be a downer, but I don't know. I'm just, maybe the quarantine's just brought it it's, out of me. It's gotten <laughs> to you. So um, if you missed it, we talked with Patrick at Hunt for Disney as a bonus episode last week. We talked about some photography stuff. And I do want to mention, 
uh, and this is in the description of the episode, but I feel like it bears repeating that I don't expect someone to have to know a lot about photography to listen because I, I think the yeah. goal is to walk away with a few tips because um, we're not just talking about photography. Obviously, that's a, that's a, a bit of the conversation, um, but don't feel like if you don't know anything, you can't listen because I think there's some good there's some good stuff in there about what equipment he uses so, and some inspiration and whatnot. Yeah, like if you do know a lot about photography, don't worry, you'll still get some of your, your jargon thrown oh, yeah. in there. I was, there were plenty of times where I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but there I'm sure some, Greg does. And this will be great. So there were some vocab words for sure. And then later this week, we'll have another bonus episode. This time it's a behind the gram where we're learning, um, mm-hmm. about the account hot dogs at Disney. Excited, so great, excited for everyone to, to hear more about that. Listen, if you think that there's been a lack of hot dog talk in your life, we got you covered. <laughs> That's right. Later this week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We are here for you. Here for you. It's our free service we provide. If you like what you heard today, feel free to like and subscribe. Head over to iTunes. Leave us a review over there. If you want mm-hmm. to follow us on Instagram, our uh, show account is at That Park Life Podcast. You can find me over at Lost Princess Printing. And Greg, where can they find you personally? I am over at the Disney Greg. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully everything is going okay for you. Yeah. We'll be here next week. All right. Don't worry. Bye, everyone. <laughs>